Lord, above all else. We have to say above all else because the fact that we want to adore your name, the fact that you have positioned us where that is something that we desire to do, forces us to pray that you would help us to follow through on what our heart's desire is because there are other things that will vie for our attention and that will distract us from the adoration that resides within. So we pray that you would please tune our hearts because when those other things the all else comes. It can take us out of tune. But because we desire to show and express our adoration to you above all else, we pray that you would please tune our hearts. We pray that as the player of the piano knows how to tune each key so that it plays the note it was created to play, that you would tune our hearts so that we would play the note that we were created to play. Would you do this for your namesake? Would you do this for your glory? And would you help us to be happy participants in making your glory known because we adore you above all else. We need you and we rest in you. We ask you that what happens, what follows next, that it would be used to tune our hearts to sing your praise above all else. Amen, amen, and amen. If you're here, you may be seated. If you're there, thank you for worshiping with us, and thank you, JP, for leading us uh, this morning in worship of our Lord, whom we adore above all else. As you know, we have been in a series called Kingdom Recalibration, and we know that we need to be recalibrated because, um, unfortunately, it is common for human beings to be half-hearted in what we do. Unfortunately, it is easy for human beings to become comfortable and to treat God as if he were just like us. Unfortunately, it is easy for human beings like me and you to be distracted by the things of this world. That's why we have to say above all else. The scriptures let us know that it is possible even, and it, it, it lets us know that it is possible even for believers to be hearers of the word and not doers as well as hearers. The word lets us know there in James 1 that uh, those people who do such things that we, it's possible to deceive ourselves. Jesus, when he was about to be arrested so that he could accomplish the salvation that he came to 
to, to, to secure and distribute. He goes after his, after the Lord's Supper and he goes to the garden and he takes his best friends with him and he goes there to pray. And he asks them, would they please pray with me? <laughs> he also asks them not only to pray with him, <laughs> but to pray for themselves, right? He asks them to pray so that they would not enter into temptation, right? But he prays, and we know what he prays. He prays that if it's possible that God the Father would, would, would take this cup away from him. And then he says, nevertheless, not my will, but your will be done. We know that this was such a traumatic time for Jesus that the angels were sent from heaven to strengthen him, and yet he still prayed the same prayer again. We know that he goes and he comes upon his friends who he wanted to bear the burden with him, and he finds them not praying but sleeping. And he says to them, couldn't you stay awake with me one hour? Stay awake and pray, he says, so that you won't enter into temptation. Then he says that the spirit is willing, but the flesh is weak above all else. Right? Because the flesh is weak. Even though the spirit desires to do that which God calls it to do, the flesh is weak. That's why we are half-hearted. That's why we love comfort. That's why we get distracted because the flesh is weak and all that is in this world is calling out to the flesh. And I'm flesh. Yeah, you just heard that. Mm -hmm, I'm flesh. If you pinch me, I'm going to feel it. Right? We're flesh. The whole world calls out to flesh. And not just flesh in this but flesh in our fallenness. That's why we need God. Even though our desire is above all else to adore him, that's why we need him to tune us. And that is also why we need resolve, which is what we're going to talk about this morning. See, Recalibration is no less than hearing the word of God and adjusting to what it calls me to do. That's what recalibration is. It includes repentance. It includes review. It includes resolve. It includes all these things because the flesh is weak, as Jesus said to his disciples. And it is possible, unfortunately, to look into the mirror of God's word and then to step away and forget what we saw when we were in the mirror. It's one thing to be somewhere and you're eating and something gets on you, on your face, and you don't feel it and you're walking around and somebody has to tell you, hey man, you have some, uh, something on your beard for me. That's one thing. That's understandable. But for me to go to the mirror and to see that there's stuff all in my beard or all on my face and to walk away and forget that's not so understandable for me. <laughs> but yet we do it all the time. We don't do it in the physical mirror, hopefully, but we do it with God's word. That's why we need the Lord to tune our hearts. And that's why we need 
resolve. Resolve is a verb. It is used with an object. So you might say something like, we resolve to, and then you say what you're resolving to do. Resolve, um, it, it is to come to a definitive decision about something, to be determined, to be settled, or to state in a formal vote or expression your opinion or your intention. We need resolve. It's to clear away or dispel all doubts. It's to fix your mind, to settle your mind. Mind. Sorry, I'm from where I'm from, so usually that last enunciation gets dropped. (laughs) So it's to settle our minds on what it is we need to do. That's what resolve is. And we need resolve in this Christian walk. If we will be recalibrated to what God calls us to, we need resolve. And so we're going to look at our need for resolve in just a moment. Well, our need has already been established. It, it, it is because the flesh is weak. Regardless of how strong your spirit is, my friend, if you're, when you're walking in this world, your flesh is weak. The Bible says before, it says in uh, 1 Corinthians 10, 12, it says uh, that the person who thinks they stand should take heed lest they fall. Right? So it's not like we can get too comfortable. Oh, we should be confident in our Lord, but we should be on our guard because of the flesh. See, every time I go on my mother's way, in the, in the, in the, in the, in, which used to be my way, um, with my mom, she still lives there. I, I remember when I was growing up during the crack wars, and I remember that you could be outside in your own neighborhood and somebody Somebody could, could come up and they could do like anything to you. They could jump you. They could rob you. They could, they could kill you if they had a reason for that. So since I'm aware of that and that's the environment I grew up in, every, it, it, and it only takes a matter of seconds, and I may have shared this before, I get out of my, when, as I'm getting out of my car, well, I'm sorry, when I'm driving into the park, parking lot, I'm scanning the parking lot to see if anybody is out there. This is, and this is not even long. This might sound long, but it's not. I'm scanning the parking lot. As I'm getting my key, which no longer needs to go in the ignition because of my car, my new car, but it, when I was taking my key out of the ignition, I'm scanning the parking lot more. When I get out of the car, I'm shutting my door, and I didn't have a clicker, so I had to lock it manually. But I'm scanning. And now it seems like my ears are like bunny rabbit ears because they seem like they're getting big. But that's probably because of the goosebumps on my neck because all of my adrenaline is coming up to make sure there's no one that's going to do anything to me. Okay, so I keep, so then I get past that and I walk to my mom's door. But as I walk to my mom's door, there's a school over there. Well, let's say it's over there for my, my purpose. There's a school over there. And there's a little walkway. But, and there's a field between the walkway, the, the sidewalk, and the school, a big field. Anybody could be in that field. So my eyes, as I'm going up my mom's steps, just, not my, my, probably my head, just goes over to make sure I don't see anything moving from that field. And then finally, I'm at my mom's house. But that's probably only a matter of 20 seconds, all of that. Why is that? Why am I on heightened alert? 
because I understand that anything can happen. Because a lot of things happened in that neighborhood that have stuck with me. So when I'm, when I'm and, and as a matter of fact, I do stuff like that everywhere. But when I'm there, it's on heightened alert. Not that anybody's gotten killed around there in, 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 in recently that I know of or anything, but, but I know what it used to be like. Do you know what this world is like, friends? Do you realize how much danger is out here for you spiritually? Not because of your Savior. No, he protects us from dangers seen and unseen. There's no problem with him. But the problem is, we all know the story of Benedict Arnold, right? Benedict Arnold was the, 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 the person who was a traitor to the British during the American Revolution. So, um, so Benedict Arnold, he was a traitor, but he was, he was in America. So that's what made him lethal. My friends, we have Benedict Arnold living within us, and it's called the flesh. That wants to cooperate with the enemy because the morsels of pleasure that, we can, that are offered by the enemy can appeal to us. Therefore, we need resolve. We need resolve because within us can be the desire to do things that make it known to us that we need God to tune our heart. And it's not just the flesh. The reason that we need a resolved mind, which is the first thing we're going to focus on, then we're going to focus on a resolved attitude, and then we're going to look at a crafted resolve as well as a shared resolve. So the reason that we need a resolved mind, we need a paradigm of, res of resolution, is because not only is there the flesh, but there is an enemy out here that wants to destroy us. First Peter 5, 8 says, be sober-minded. Your adversary, the devil, is prowling around like a roaring lion, looking around, looking for anyone he can devour. He's not looking for those he has devoured. He's looking for those he can devour. And oftentimes, too many of us are not on that heightened alert. We're just acting like everything's peachy, everything's good. And on some level, thank God that, there's, there, that you're not suffering as much as people could suffer in this world. But my friends, that's just one of those things to lull us into sleep. And if we're sleeping, then we're lacking. And if the enemy finds us lacking, then he's going to take advantage of it. So we, we have an enemy who's just, I mean, have you ever been around somebody who's just looking to do something wrong? Have you ever been around those people in your life? Have you ever encountered those kinds of people? I remember being somewhere where it was like, oh, man, I, I just wish this person wasn't, hadn't come along with this group of people. But these people came down to, to fight <laughs> some, some people that I was with. It was almost like it was the whole neighborhood that where we were. So they all come down. The two guys who had the problem with each other, they squash the problem. You know, they talk and they squash it. And then it's, but then somebody there is like, I didn't come down here to get to squash nothing. I came down here to fight. So there was a fight. <laughs> there, there was a big fight. But that person's mind 
in his mind, he was resolved to do evil. He was resolved to, to kick things off, and he, and, 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 and he kicked it off. The enemy is like that. He's just looking around for opportunities to take advantage of you, to take advantage of me. So, therefore, we need to be resolved in our minds. The Bible lets us know in Ephesians 6.12 that our, our struggle is not against flesh and blood. It lets us know this. It lets us know that, that we're battling against evil, that we're battling against spiritual forces. And so, therefore, we need a mindset that is resolved because there is an enemy that wants to destroy us, that wants to devour us, that's walking around, looking around, lurking around. Remember Job? He appears when the sons of God are before God. And God says, where have you been? What did he say? <laughs> he came from the earth because he was looking to do some damage. That's our enemy. So our mindset needs to be resolved because our flesh doesn't make it easy to express the adoration and to embody the adoration that we have within our hearts. And the enemy sure is not going to allow us to just hunkadorily go along and just like be all about adoring our God. No, there's going to be resistance. And you can continue on reading in Ephesians chapter 6 on your own time to see some of the things that you can do to prepare yourself for the uh, battle. One of the things that I love is that the, the shield of faith, it extinguishes the fiery darts of the wicked. The fiery darts of the wicked, though, they are coming. Even though they get extinguished, the fact that they are coming lets us know we need that shield of faith. We need it. If we don't have it, we will not extinguish those darts. And those darts will get us, and the enemy will try to continue his process of devouring us. So we need a resolved mind. We need a mind that says, I'm going to adore God. We need a mind that says, I'm going to please God. We need the resolve to say that. That begins with a paradigm of resolution, a resolved mind. We need a resolved attitude. Now, the mind is the element, part, or substance um, of human beings that reasons, thinks, feels, wills, perceives, and judges. The attitude is, is definitely engaged or a part of that, but the attitude is a little bit more specific. It's one's, one's manner or disposition, your feeling or position toward a person or a thing. It's your tendency or your orientation. So if you're oriented toward the things of God, you're more likely to accomplish the things of God. Someone can shoot a weapon, right? I used to be in the military. You can shoot a weapon, but if you want to hit a target, you have to aim, right? So, so the attitude is like the aim, like what's your attitude? I've heard, and yeah, um, I, yeah, yeah, I'll just say, say what's on my mind so, so it doesn't uh, come across as strange like it already may seem already. But anyway, um, I have heard from multiple Christian women that when they, that, you know, they, they, they're looking to be married and they might like go on a, a, a site that's for Christians to meet each other and to move in that direction, hopefully. I don't know how many women I've heard this from, that they make it very clear that I am not, I'm not having premarital sex. Make it very clear. 
even though the dude's not deaf, <laughs> even though he don't speak in sign language, eventually he started acting like he didn't know about that. All I'm saying is like, there has to be an attitude of resolution. Or else the, the time that this person's been spending with you, the, the time that this person's been getting to know you, softening you up, if you would, you need to have a mind, a, a, an attitude, rather, that's resolved. Because, or else all of that is just going to work in his favor. But his heart ain't tuned. I'm sorry, I'm talking like that on purpose. Yeah, his heart ain't tuned to, to adore the Lord. It's not tuned to sing God's praise because, yeah, I'm sorry, I don't know who needs this, because he's strategically trying to soften you up, even though he ain't deaf, even though he heard what you said, he doesn't care. So your attitude, see, because he can't, he can't do anything to your attitude. Your attitude needs to be resolved, right? Daniel's attitude was resolved. In chapter 1 of Daniel, right? When they're giving him all the best from the king's table, the wine and all the food that's there. I would imagine it was something like what Thanksgiving is like in my house. Just a big smorgasbord of everything. But Daniel doesn't allow that to, to sway him because he, his heart is tuned. The Lord helps him. Above all else, his Aim is to glorify God. So his attitude is resolved. And so what does he do? He asked the captain, hey, can we, can we eat something else? Right? That's, that's a resolved attitude. Joseph, when Potiphar's wife comes and asks him to engage in immorality, what does he do? He says, hey, how can I do this to my God and to my master? He's let me have everything except you. How could I do this? And he runs away from the situation because he has a resolved attitude. And Peter and John, when they come before the Sanhedrin and they're, they're, they're being persecuted for speaking in the name of Jesus Christ, and they're told they're not to speak in that name anymore, <laughs> they have a resolved attitude because they tell those dudes that it is better for us to obey God rather than man. That is a resolved attitude, my friends. For us, one of the questions is, where does our resolve need to be strengthened? Where is it easy for us to be just taken off the path because something appeals to our flesh? Because something seems like it's going to deliver, but it's outside of the process that God calls us to. We need to ask ourselves, not just personally, but even corporately, even though we're not together as a church in the way that we're used to being together, how does my resolve need to be strengthened? Is my resolve to please God where the scriptures call it to be, or am I satisfied with where I am? I was so blessed this Friday by a very brief prayer. 
that someone prayed. They prayed that God's people would not be revilers during this season. So reviled, that's one of those King James Version words. So I was like, man, let me just make sure I remember what reviled means. In the context, I knew what she was praying. But basically, revile, to revile is to speak to people in an abusive manner. 1 Corinthians 6, 9 through 11 puts abusive speech and then the King James reviling in a list of people that won't inherit God's kingdom. Yet there are many believers who have no problem speaking to people in a natural way, which may make sense in my mind. Remember where I'm from. I told you how I get even now going back around there. So it may make sense from the fleshly perspective for you to talk to this person in this way, for you to raise your voice to yell at this person, for you to, 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 to call names. That might make sense when that person's cut you off and done something dangerous. They might not see it, but God sees it, right? So it may make sense, but it is not something that God excuses. And I mentioned in one message that we need to stop comparing ourselves with ourselves or with the world. Just because we do things a little bit differently from them does not mean that we're doing it according to what God calls us to. We need to begin to take things as serious as God takes them. We need to have the kind of resolve that says, Lord, if you say, and he doesn't say this, so don't hear what I'm not saying. I'm not saying the Lord, he doesn't tell you to cut your pinky finger off. But if he told you to do it, in his word, not through somebody else. So don't get that twisted. Not, hey, I dream you should. No, 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 no. If he said it in God's word, our resolve should be, even if I'm not there, Lord, I'm not there yet, but would you help me to get there? That's resolve. That's resolve. And we, we need resolve. Resolve is not an option. It's a necessity. It's, it's not just a tool. It's not just a tool you have in your toolbox. In this world, we need to be wearing resolve because it is that serious. It's that serious because of our own flesh. It's that serious because of the enemy. Therefore, we need to have an attitude of resolve. And we need to be aware, not just aware, because I think, you know, in our, in our culture, a lot of times, yeah, I'm going to just say it, man. I'm sorry uh, if, this, if this offends anybody. I mean, I'm not really. Um, but I'm sorry, you know, that I'm not trying to offend you. I'm trying to tell you the truth. So that's why I'm not sorry. Okay, I'm trying to tell you the truth. I'm not trying to offend you. But in our culture, we, sometimes we act like our personality gives us passes that God doesn't give us. My background doesn't give me... My, my background and my experiences does not give me a pass on anything that God does not call me uh, to do. It doesn't give me the op option, excuse me, to do that. If God calls me not to do it, then he calls me not to do it, regardless of my personality. If he calls me to do it, he calls me to do it regardless of my personality. And thank God that he gives grace for our personality. 
But we need to be we have, we need to have the resolve to access the grace to do what God calls us to do, not what we're comfortable doing. Many of us, including me, it's just easy to do things we're comfortable with. But we need to do things we're called to do, not things that we're comfortable with when it comes to serving our Lord because he is worthy of it all. And all of this, not just the church, but this world, all things the scripture says are for him, they're to him, and of course they're through him. So our personalities don't give us a pass on what God calls us to. So there might be some things we need to resolve in light of our personality. I know I try to, 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 to you know, I might, if, 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 if I'm counseling with you, I might ask you a question that I think I know the answer to. And it might seem like a dumb question to you. But I know that what's natural for me because of, where, because of how people talk where I grew up, is that it's just more comfortable just to be like very direct and very blunt. We'll get to that part, believe me. Hopefully, we'll get there in a godly way, though. We're not just trying to, trying to overpower people with position or words. No, we're, we're, we're trying to represent God, right? Yeah. And so we want to speak to people the way we want to be treated. Because sometimes, like growing up like that, certain things people say is automatically like cause to fight. I remember Pastor Kurt to, uh, talk, to, he gave an illustration. Sorry to take this from you. You watch it, man. But, um, but you said it to everybody, so it's public information. Um, but he talked about a, a situation in which um, some of his friends were together uh, as he was growing up, and one of them said something about somebody's, uh, eventually said something about somebody's mother. Um, and the other one says something like, uh, well, my mom gave your mom the money to get your Christmas gifts. Yeah. So the one who was informed of that stole the, punched the other person in the face, if you don't know what stole means. Um, but he hit, the, he, hit, he hit the other person, and they started fighting. Why? Because in that culture, like, that's what you do. So, like, I don't want people talking to me in a certain way, even though I can talk that way, right? That, notice the flesh, right? It's, it, it'll do things to other people that it doesn't want done to itself, right? But, but because I'm aware of that and because of the second great commandment, right, to love my neighbor as myself, then it's like, okay, how do I want to be spoken to? Then that's the way I'm supposed to speak to you. Regardless of the situation or the circumstance, unless, I'm sorry, if you mess with my family, uh, I mean, you know, even in the scriptures where it talks about, um, you know, it tells us not to, not to kill anybody, but it does have like self-defense and things like that. So if you're, if, if I need... If I need to do something, then I know how to access that too. Um, but that's all too easy to access, though. It's all too, I, I don't have to worry about that. I mean, I might now, because, man, I'm over, I'm, 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 I'm over 50. So if I make a sudden move, sometimes, you know, I might have to worry about my hamstring or something, you know, something. I might be like, ah, you know, so that, that, I'm, I'm, I might do that, that, you know, but. So I do try to remember that. Um. But I'm sure it's in there. It's in there. It's in there. It's in there. My attitude needs to be resolved. My attitude needs to be resolved that I'm going to love God above all else, right? With all my heart, soul, mind, and strength. 
My attitude needs to be resolved that I, I will love my neighbor as myself. Resolved. Like, I'm going to do this. That's what the mindset needs to be. That's what the attitude needs to be as we navigate this world. Because if it's not, we will be worn down. We will be worn down. Our personality doesn't give us a pass. We all probably need have areas where we, our resolve needs to be strengthened because we all have blind spots. We all have blind spots. Our enemy is relentless in his pursuit to devour souls. Therefore, we must be relentless in our efforts to cooperate with God in protecting our soul from being devoured. Yet, yet, I can be casual about protecting my soul. And I can be, I can presume upon God to do things without putting in the effort myself. But we know that Philippians 2 tells us that we are to work out our salvation with fear and trembling. It also lets us know that God puts within us the will, the to will and to do of his good pleasure. So he puts the good pleasure in there, the to will and to do that, but we have to work it out. In Luke chapter 4, verse 13, it, 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 it makes this statement after God, excuse me, after Jesus was tempted by Satan. It says that after the devil had finished every temptation, he departed from him for a time. I love Luke's summary there because it, it doesn't just, the other ones just kind of let us know that the devil rolled out. Jesus, oh, Jesus succeeded. All right, cool. But it lets us, this one lets us know that he departed fr from him for a time. In other words, he coming back. The, 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 the King James says it this way. It says he departed from him until an opportune time. So he's looking for, again, he's going, he, this is the thing. This is why we need this. He is faithful to do his job. Yeah, our enemy is faithful. The one who wants to devour your soul, my soul, he is faithful. He's not playing. He come to work on time. Yeah, he do overtime without getting paid. He enjoys his job. He enjoys his job because you and I are in the image of God. Remember, he wanted to be like God. I will do this. I'll be like this. He, he want, but what does God do to us? He breathes in us the breath of life. Before he makes us, he says, hey, let's make man <laughs> in our own image, in our likeness. The very thing that the enemy wanted is what we are. That's why, that's why Adam is his enemy. That's why he goes and he tempts him. And he thinks that by getting Adam to cooperate with him that he's crushed everything, but he hasn't. It's a speed bump. And it looked like all was lost until Jesus came. Yeah, but now Jesus is here. And we don't have, that, we don't have the already everything yet. But it's on his way. 
And the fact that we're sitting here today, like that's just a testament to it being on its way because we believe in him. But even our Lord who accomplished all that, he was tempted by the enemy. Not just the one time that we see here in, you know, Matthew 4, Luke 4, not just those that, that have the print, but at other times as well, including obviously when, when, you know, when he's, you know, praying in the garden. But the enemy departed for a time. Now, in light of all of this, in light of the fact that the enemy, he's doing his job, he's working overtime, he's, he's, he's coming to work faithful. Um, if he were a human being and, and, and that was a job, uh, he would be rising up the ladder. He'd be one of the stars that's rising up the ladder. Man, that's Satan, man. He's really, he's really getting it in. He's one to watch. That's what his corporation would be saying. Because he's doing all he can to destroy our souls. Are we doing all we can to cooperate with God in protecting our souls? Is the question for us, not just now, but every day. See, we don't have to fear the enemy because of this. Listen to this verse in James. James chapter 4, verse 7. Therefore, submit to God, resist the devil, and he will flee from you. Therefore, submit to God, resist the devil, and he will flee from you. Resisting takes resolution. But resolution, I believe, needs to be crafted. What do I mean by crafted? I mean that it needs to be strategized. It needs to be organized. There needs to be a plan for success, right? So we're not just going to, by osmosis, just be all that we can be in the Lord. We're not. It's not, it's not going to be uh, what Pastor Kirk calls it, the, the holy zap. We're not just getting holy zapping from there on out. We're just living our, our best life in the Lord. That's, that's not... There's an enemy, and the flesh is with you always. And remember, the spirit is willing, but the flesh is weak. Remember that we can look right into the, the perfect law of liberty that the Bible is called and forget what we saw. Remember last week of, um, um, in, in, in 2 Peter 1, how he's given us everything that we need, yet it's possible for people to forget that they were cleansed from their, their sins. All of these are realities that necessitate a strategy for success. Some questions that I've used to try to make sure that, well, so my strategies have been for overcoming particular sins, and then my strategies has been for maintaining vibrancy in the Lord. Regardless of what happens, right? Because sometimes vibrancy, man, I mean, things go, when things going good, things feel good, it seems like all is good. And that's not always the case. And then sometimes when things seem bad, everything <laughs> seems like it's bad, but that's not always the case either. <clears throat> Excuse me. So I've, I've mentioned these things before, but you know, sometimes I'm telling you, knowing is not enough. I'm sorry. I'm just going to say it again because we can think that knowing is enough, but knowing is not enough. We have to strategize against ourselves, and we have to strategize against the ways we see the enemy coming to us. Therefore, 
so that we can submit our plan to God, so that we can walk out our resolve to resist the devil so that he can and will flee from us. So one of the things that should be done is <clears throat> to accumulate passages that you regularly go through that help you to, if you're trying to overcome a particular sin, that come against that sin and remind you of what you need to take off, what bad you need to take off, and then what virtues you put on so that you can not only resist that sin in the moment, but so that you can gain momentum in resisting that particular sin. So accumulate the passages that you need. You also, we also need to pray to God because we're weak. We need to be mindful of our weakness and ask God, Lord, can you please help me? I mean, to date, right now I'm, I'm, I'm feeling good, but like the, the 1 Corinthians 10, 12 says, like when I'm feeling good, then I need to be on my lookout because then from out of nowhere I could get sucker punched and boom, I fall into it from out of, seemingly from out of nowhere. So we need, to, we need to read our word. We need to pray. If it is something that you find that you cannot overcome, remember, it seems like you can't overcome it. Not you cannot overcome it. seems like you cannot overcome it. Again, seems like. Seems like you cannot overcome. Remember what Jesus said when he, was coming, when he came down the hill? And, 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 and the little boy was with his dad. And the dad is like, hey, you know, I asked your disciples to cast this demon out of them. And like, they couldn't, they couldn't, they couldn't do it. <laughs> Jesus doesn't say, oh, yeah, they still in training. <laughs> he doesn't say, oh, yeah, you know. But he's, man, y'all, little faith, man. And then he, then he starts engaging with the father whose faith is so, is so I mean, it's there, but it's, but, it's, but it's wounded right now. He's like, I believe, but help my unbelief. And so Jesus cast the demon out of the, out of the boy. And the disciples, because they're not still in training, they're like, why couldn't we cast them out? What did Jesus say? He says, some only are removed by fasting and praying. When is the last time? You fasted about that thing. When is the last time that you brought your flesh under subjection saying, I'm not, I'm not going to eat. I'm not going to drink. I'm not going to, you fill in the blank because there are other ways to fast. I'm not going to do this so that I can weaken my obedience to my flesh and let it know that I have it under control. Yeah. See, in 1 Corinthians 9, Paul is very is very instructive and in that he says, you know what? I don't, I, don't, I don't run as one who's just running. I'm not, I'm not shadow boxing right now. You know, I don't, be, I don't box as one beating the air. But instead what I do is that I bring my body under subjection. Lest, it's King James, after I preach to others, I myself be lost. Yeah, we have to bring our flesh under subjection. And one of the key ways to do that is to fast. I would, I would advise that you fast. 
I'm, I'm getting to the place, I'll just say it like this, where I feel that it's beneficial to fast regularly, um, you know, maybe at least once a week, um, just to help me to, this is a wild time that we're in, right? Um, this is not to, and this isn't to draw any, it's like the times call for this, in my opinion, right? So that's, that's what I'm going to do. It's not even only about, like, it's not about sin. It's about having effect in a situation like the one we find ourselves in, yeah. right? But if it is for sin, then all the more, because it's, if it's your sin, you're mindful of it. So please, 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 fast as necessary. Fast as necessary. We know to read our Bibles. We know to pray. We also know to fast because in God's word. Whether, whether we say fast or not, it's also in your word. But I'm telling you, please fast, especially if you see that you have something that you've been trying to overcome for a long time and you feel like you've done all you can. And even if you fasted, fast more if you have been fasting. Resolve, right? This is not going to, it's not going to master me. See, in light of all that God has given us, there shouldn't be anything that masters us, but oftentimes there are things. And I'm not saying that because I'm, because, because I got people asking me about it, you know, hey, I need to meet because it's, no, I'm asking, I'm saying this because I've been a victim of it. So I'm not saying this about you. I'm saying this about us. I'm saying this about human nature. Despite having the Spirit of God within us. But because we have the Spirit of God, we can access the power of God to overcome. And so James says, submit to God, resist the devil, and he will flee from you. And we are there probably, there's not anything new that we need to do. What we need to do is found in God's Word. Reading our Bibles, right? Praying, those are things we know to do. Fasting, those are things we know to do. Worshiping God, those are things we, we already know to do. So we're not looking for new things to do. We want to rest in the true things to do. And then to the degree that we find that we need to do more of it, then we need to do more. And then if you find that you are not able, <clears throat> you should... Ask others to help you. We need to have a resolved mind, a resolved attitude, and we need to craft a plan to execute our resolutions. Hopefully there are some things you've resolved to do. Hopefully you have resolved to love people the way you want to be loved, love as yourself. Hopefully you've resolved to be consistent in your expression and engagement of your relationship with God. But I pray and I hope that you aren't doing that all alone because the last thing that I believe we need to have is a shared resolve. Our resolve is not just for ourselves. Listen to what I didn't. This is not going to be up on the screen, but listen to what uh, Ephesians 2, 12 through 16 says. At, th at, at that time, Paul is speaking to the Ephesians. Uh, you were without Christ. You were excluded from the citizenship of Israel and foreigners to the covenants of promise without hope and without God in the world. But now in Christ Jesus, you who were 
far away have been brought near by the blood of Christ. For he is our peace. Listen to this. Who made both groups one and tore down the dividing wall of hostility. In his flesh, he made of no effect the law consisting of commands and expressed in regulations so that he might create in himself one new man from the two resulting in peace. He did this so that he might reconcile both to God in one body through the cross by which he put the hostility to death. We are definitely Americans. We think in terms of the individual, but scripture thinks in terms of the people, the one man, right? So from the two, the Gentiles and the Jews, he made one, he reconciled them both in one body. So we're all, if we're all one body, if God sees the church as one body, that's a very interesting thing to consider. He doesn't see you as separated from me. He doesn't see me as separated from you. We're all one in Christ, right? And this concept goes throughout First, First Corinthians chapter twelve. We're all we're one body. We're different parts, right? But we're still the same. The same body, right? So if we use that analogy, you, uh, that, that, that if we take that analogy and that illustration and we think about like the different parts of our body that, that can hurt sometimes or, or be aware that something's hurting, right? So if, I, if, I, if, if, you, if you get up uh, in the middle of the night and um, you don't have one of those beds where the, where the, where, where, where the mattress like, over, is over like the thing that holds the wheels, and you like stub your toe, your whole body is going to react to that. And you stub your toe, but you express it through your mouth, ah! right? I mean, the whole body, you, all, all of that, because you're one body. So even though that toe is the one that experienced the trauma, the whole body, the whole body has to acknowledge the trauma because it's just one body. Right. So if another body hit it, I wouldn't feel it. But if this body hits it, then I'm going to feel it. If we're one body, we're all together. Sometimes in our struggle against sin, we're not willing to bring other people in. We'd rather just struggle all by ourselves. No matter how much we lose. No matter how much we getting that behind kicked, we ain't calling for no, hey, come on, we, we ain't doing that. we rather just fight by ourselves, fight that good fight of faith. But friends, we, we, we need each other because we're one body. So Galatians 6, 1 and 2 says this, brothers and sisters, if anyone, if someone is overtaken in any wrongdoing, you who are spiritual, Restore such a person with a gentle spirit. Watch out for yourselves so that you won't, so you also won't be tempted. Carry one another's burdens. In this way, you fulfill the law of Christ. Now, that's telling, telling us what we should do when we see something. 
But if that's what we're supposed to do when we see something, when we are experiencing something that, that, that is beneath what God gives us access to and we see that we're flailing, then please do not just keep struggling all on your own. Please, instead of that, instead of that, in light of how Scripture tells us to engage with people who need help, first of all, it's supposed to be a spirit of restoration, right? Not a spirit of dismissal, but a spirit of restoration that we're going to help this person be all that they can be in the Lord. And then it's supposed to be with a gentle spirit. A gentle spirit, why? Because we all are going to uh, confront sin in our lives. So we watch out for ourselves so that we won't be tempted. So that's the way we're supposed to engage each other when it comes to helping each other overcome in the area of sin, that we, we want to help this person be all they can be. We want to have a spirit of gentleness. We want to remember our own weakness, our own propensity to sin. We may not sin in like manner, so our sins might be different than theirs. But what God calls us to is the same thing, right? He calls us to, above all else, adore his name. He calls us to carry one another's burdens, not just financial or temporal burdens. And thank God for the people who have, who have throughout this time just been leaning forward um, and seeing if anybody needs help. Um, thank you for those of you who have been, been faithfully giving, you know, to the church. Thank you for, for uh, positioning us to be able to help each other. But that's not the only kind. That's not even the primary way in which he's talking. That's the way we think, again, because we're Americans, right? We care about the stock market, right? We, we, we care about the economy, right? We, we, care, we care about those things. And those things aren't wrong to care about. But they're not the primary things we should be caring about. And in this passage, we're supposed to do this. We're supposed to carry each other's burdens spiritually as well. And then it says, in this way, we fulfill the law of Christ. See, it's all love. It's all love here. So it's not, it's not, oh, man, yeah, I figured you was whatever. No, it's not that. It's not glee because somebody sins. and No. It's like, no, man, let me, <clears throat> let me help you. But there also has to be, please, can somebody help me? Right? There also has to be that. People can only be helped as much as they allow other people to help them. No one can force help upon you. No one can force help upon me. If I'm not willing to let, no, we, we don't have mind readers in the church. That's not something that God allows us to be. So we only know what you tell us. We might see certain things. We can deduce certain things. But we need to be more open so that we can receive the help that we need so that we can execute our resolve. So there needs to be a resolve on the part of the community that we're going to help each other to be what God calls us to be. And there has to be a resolve 
and myself that shares any strategy I come up with, your D group is a great place to start with sharing like what your plan is to overcome. Because more than likely they've, they've, they've seen. And if they haven't seen and you have other groups you travel in, then that group needs to be the group that knows what's going on with you. But we should repent of the American ideal of individualism because Scripture does not hold that up as what we, how we should think about ourselves. We're called the body of Christ. With his own blood, he's purchased us, and therefore we should share our plan of resolution, our plan of resolution with each other. to help us to execute that plan for the glory of God. So why do we need to resolve? Well, we need to be resolved so that we can resist our flesh and so that we can combat the enemy who wants to devour us. We need to have an attitude that's, that's, that's predisposed, predisposed to glorify God in light of the reason for which we still exist meaning the reason we're here on this earth, which is to bring glory to God. But a resolved attitude and a resolved mind may not be enough. There needs to be a crafted resolve that, that means like a plan for success based on how my resolve sometimes fails. And then that plan should be, as I said, communicated with other people who love and can pray for you and can ask you about it so that you can grow and not just grow past where you are, but to grow to what God has ordained for you and I to be. And this isn't just as individuals, but it's as the body of Christ here at Solid Rock Church. Let's pray. Lord, we thank you that when you walked the earth, Lord Jesus, that you had such resolution in going to the cross that when you went through a Samaritan town, they did not want to engage with you because they saw that you were fixated on going to Jerusalem. We thank you, Lord, that you show resolve when you were tempted by the enemy and we know that you are the author and finisher of our faith. You are the one who has carved out a way for us to please the Father. And so, Lord Jesus, we want to be like you, and we want to have resolute minds, resolute attitudes, plans that are informed by our resolutions. And, Lord, we want others to know about our resolutions so that a year from now, we can see progress toward what we resolve to do. Lord, I ask you that you would please mature us in ways that we need to be matured. For your glory and for your namesake, I pray this. Amen.